Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casse les Lignes, the French football podcast with the accent as usual. This podcast is brought to you by Breaking the Lines, curated football opinion by experts from all around the world. Head over to the website breakingthelines.com to read the latest article. There's an article on Mesulage, um, there's an article on Lukeba, an article on Christensen, the new Danish defender from Leeds. Uh, a lot to read, of course, and a lot to listen to on the Breaking the Line podcast. I didn't mention it last time, but of course, the uh, Road to Qatar um, episodes are on. We are at episode four right now. Uh, and there's a lot of great stories in that Road to Qatar podcast. Um, head over to Breaking the Lines and listen to all those podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about the best midfielders in Liga. Uh, we keep going with our recap of the 21-22 season. I hope you enjoyed the selection that I've put. Of course, feel free to uh, come and discuss with me. Uh, my name is Jeremy Magan. Let's go for Castellini. Hi everyone, this is the off-season in Ligue 1. There's no more Nations League, there's no international football. The last international football game was um, Australia playing against Peru and qualifying for the World Cup. So now I'm going to have two teams to follow for the World Cup, both France and Australia. Don't, don't be surprised to see me cheering maybe a little bit louder for France, but hey, both teams will play each other in the group stage. So that's exciting as far as, far as I'm concerned. Um, anyway, today we are, of course, doing another episode of this uh, off-season recap of Ligue 1 21-22, uh, and we're going to look at the midfielders. And I decided to go for my top 10s of the midfielder of um, the season. And of course, 10 midfielders, that means I couldn't put everyone in there. So, uh, you know, spoiler alert, you're not going to hear about Aurelien Tramini, although he had a, a pretty good season. You're not going to hear about Lucas Paqueta. You're not going to hear about Bruno Guimaraes, who actually uh, could have been in there. Um, so, so you're not going to hear about Marco Verratti either. And I know that everybody who loves football loves Marco Verratti, but he's not going to be on that top 10. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and, and talk about the 10 that I've selected. Some of them may be a little bit um, more surprising than others, but look, I did this um, in, in full uh, consciousness and there are subjective choices and I welcome you guys to discuss them with me and to tell me if you um, agree or disagree. Uh, anyway, let's get started. So the first player that I've selected is um, Montpellier's very own number 10, Teji Savanier. Teji Savanier uh, of course, I had a bit of a, a couple of standard season in Montpellier uh, the past couple of years. And then this year, you know, his, his two main men left him, uh, Gaëtan Laborde and Andy Delors left at the beginning of the season, uh, leaving Savanier to do all the work. Uh, and while doing this, uh, he still got eight goals in, he still got seven assists in, he still very much was the guy who actually helped Dalolio uh, play his football at Montpellier. He was helped a little bit by... Uh, by Jordan Ferry um, to start with, but he did uh, a lot of the job himself. Uh, and I guess one of the things that is probably important in, in what he's been doing uh, was the, the dribbling. It shows, I guess, uh, that he was a bit more alone than he's been uh, in the past uh, few seasons. Uh, he ended up being the third player as far as um, the ability to, to dribble past player in Liga 
uh, and it turned out to be actually six in uh, the whole Big Five European League, uh, only topped by players like Vinicius uh, or uh, Alan Maxima from, from Newcastle. So it was uh, a bit of a different season for him, of course, without his his two prolific strikers. You know, of course, there still was Mavididi and Germain top in front of him, uh, but he probably felt a little bit more alone. And, and a good stat to show that uh, was that, for example, he only um, I think he only topped up something like seventy percent. Uh, pass successful rate, which is very low for Tejas Tavanier, but I think it also shows that there was definitely a bit of a lack in, um, you know, in automatism for for him up front. So anyway, he's my first of, of the ten midfielder that we will uh, talk about today, uh, and I think he deserved that that shot because he he had a bit of work to do by himself um, at the top of the. Uh, not the top of the attack, but right? top of the midfield for Montpellier. The next one that we're going to talk about is Romain Fèvre. Now, that might be a bit of a surprise because uh, Romain Fèvre started with Brest and finished with Lyon. Uh, and I don't think we had the time to see him actually, um, you know, dominating at Lyon and actually even probably uh, finally selling it into a starting role at Lyon. Yet, he's been, as far as I'm concerned, actually pretty impressive for, for his age. I mean, you know, we're talking about a... Uh, a player who's just 23 years old, who, who came from, I guess, a small market team halfway through the season to a big market team and had to make his difference when he get there. You know, he got thrown into um, a Europa League games and, and, and things like that as soon as he joined Lyon. Uh, and, and he rocks up at the end of the day, uh, 10 goals and five assists. You know, a, a few of those goals were scored with breasts uh, and on penalties as well. Uh, but I guess a little bit like um, Savanier, right, when he was at Brest, uh, between him and Honora, a lot, a lot of the goal-scoring creation was was depending on him uh, and his ability to dribble, uh, mainly from the right wing, of course, and, and using his left foot, his ability to dribble, to dribble past uh, defender, his ability to to find um, his uh, his mates in the middle of the box as well to create goal scores. Goal scores, excuse me, um, it is not to be um, underrated. His progressive carrying distance uh, ended up being uh, six in in Liga. A shot creating action tenth uh, in Liga. His carries into the final third topped Liga with 114 carries into the final third. Uh, so so again, a player that had to do maybe a little bit by himself. I mean, still racked up a, a solid 60 key passes uh, in the whole season. Uh, but but I think we've seen glimpses of what he's able to do uh, and the fact that he was able to adapt from Brest to Lyon and still get three goals uh, when you play with Lyon also is very promising for, for next season uh, for our friends Legon Le uh, and for anybody who supports um, Romain Fèvre. Uh, I, I was impressed with what he had at the, that he had at the half season he had at Brest and I think that's also why um, he ended up going to Lyon, right? There's no, there's no surprise there. The next one, we're going down south to Marseille. Um, Matteo Genduzzi is the first uh, midfielder that I want to talk about from Marseille. There's going to be two. I'm sure everybody kind of expects who the second one is. Uh, Matteo Genduzzi, I think, you know, it's been a bit of a breakthrough season for him. Of course, he uh, was, um, he was, he was in the academy at Lorient. So that's how we first kind of had glimpses of him in, uh, in French football. And then, uh, very famously moved to Arsenal. Uh, he's on loan in Germany, and, and then he was on loan in Marseille, who now uh, bought him over. Uh, I think it was a bit of a match made um, in heaven, right? When when he joined Marseille, his passion, his, his madness, in a way, um, the intensity that he brings to, to the pitch was just matched by the supporters in Marseille, and it worked out really well. Of course, playing with a, a coach like Sam Paoli, 
uh, made the whole difference. I think for Matteo Genduzzi because his uh, again his madness, his craziness was matched by a coach who was asking that of him. He played um, 38 games in Liga out of 38 games playable, so he played quite a few. Uh, six games in in Europa League, eight games in Conference League. Um, so he ends up being here for all 50. Uh, 52 games for for Marseille and his impact um, was there. He was able to score goals, four goals in the end, six assists um, in Ligue 1, and he was able to really, next to Camara, be that metronome in the middle of the pitch where uh, he was really giving the tempo. And you'd see at the end of the season when he was starting to get tired, it was a bit harder for Marseille to actually be able to perform. Uh, I, I think, you know, of course, he's got his reward. He got called in the French national team. There's chances that is going to end up going to the World Cup in Qatar at the end of the year. Uh, but I think he's really shown us what he's able to do, what he's able to bring to, to the to this team. And last next year, when most likely they're going to add uh, maybe a bit of a more experienced midfielder than what Kamara was in the middle, I think we're going to see a bit more of Genduzi at least um, going forward. And I think that's going to be a bit of a better, um, I guess I'd say, a, a better use of him, uh, not making him play every single game uh, entirely minimal. Of course, Champions League would be a real test uh, for Genduzi, but uh, but he's he's really impressed this season, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him next year. We stay in Marseille, um, and of course, who else than Dimitri Payet? Uh, I mean, there's no go- going away from him. To be honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to put him uh, in a midfield uh, recap or in a forward recap because he played Falstein quite a bit with Marseille this season. 12 goals, 10 assists in Ligue 1. Uh, a goal in Europa League, three goals, three assists in Conference League. Of course, that jewel of a goal uh, in the, in the quarterfinal of the um, Conference League. Look, he, he's been the one to make it all, to do it all for for Marseille. The difference between him being here and not here was day and night. He's the most creative player in in the squad that finished second in the league. He's probably one of the reasons why the team was able to finish second uh, in the competition. Uh, he's just brought back all the genius that we know he has. Uh, I think, you know, actually making him play false nine is probably the only place uh, where he will be at that potential. You know, he's 35 years old. He's not um, 20 anymore. He doesn't defend the way he used to. Uh, and if you want to use it in, in a 4-3-3, like maybe André Villas-Boas did a bit last year, uh, you, you might be hindered by his lack of defensive efforts, I guess, whether in a, in a false nine you actually... You get to see him tracking back once or twice, and we've seen him. He's bringing the intensity here and there, uh, running quickly and 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 tackling and and trying to lift the spirits of Rovi's team. Of course, he was the he was the captain after Mandanda. Um, so, so we've seen a bit of defensive. Of course, he can't defend for the whole ninety minutes. He can attack whenever he has the ball. He doesn't even need to run that much to be able to make the difference. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of. He's staying for another season. Um, you know, the contract that he has runs out, I think, in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sorry, actually, he pushed it again because he reduced his salary. Um, anyway, but, but we've seen what he's capable of doing. I think we're going to see just a little bit more of that. Uh, he was used, um, I guess, the right way. He was, um, you know, sort of saved for some games because, you know, the form, the age, etc. I think it'll be a bit more of the same, hopefully, for uh, for St. Pauli. He'll find another uh, offensive midfielder that can really help him so the whole of creativity, the whole creative side of Marseille doesn't only rely on um, Dimitri Payet. We've also seen him not that good in Champions League in the past, and now he's going to be back in Champions League, so he probably has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he probably wants to prove himself in the uh, best competition 
uh, this season. It, it'll be good to see, but I, I think you know there was no way that we were going to do a, a top ten of the midfielders in Ligue 1 without mentioning Dimitri Payet. Uh, he's he's probably had one of his best season without running as much as he's used to run. Um, so it shows that you know like a good wine, he uh, like a wine, so he he gets better with age. Let's let's see how far. Um, he can bring us Dimitri Payet. For the next one, we're um, we're going all the way north, and we're going to Lens. We're going to talk about Seko Fofana. Uh, Seko Fofana, you know, I was I was wondering if he was going to be in that top ten or not. Uh, we, when we did um, in in Casaleling with Baptiste from Le Classic, when we talked about our favorite team halfway through the season, he was almost the first choice. He had just been voted uh, best player in France by um, Get French Football News. Uh, best player or number two, I can't remember. Um, so, so we, we we mentioned him because he's been so instrumental in the success at Lens. Uh, you know, of course, the story is great. He was at Udinese. Um, it was wanted by clubs like Milan AC and Lazio, and he decided to come back to France because he liked to uh, project that uh, Lens were pulling through together, and, and and so he went there and he helped them. This season, he starts well. The second part of the season might be a little bit less. Um, you know, less. I guess less glittery than the first one was, but still, you know, eight goals and assists uh, and just a lot of work done in the midfield. I mean, of course, the captain of this last team, uh, the, the the spirit of that team, we, we've seen him with that late equalizer in, in the French Cup. We've seen him with another late equalizer um, some, somewhere in the second half of the of the season. I can't remember um, which game it was now, uh, but really able to be there on the pitch everywhere, almost pushed a little bit to the left side when Ducouré started to really uh, come into incenses for Lance in the middle of the pitch, but really useful everywhere, this ability to always keep the ball, always be aware for the other opponents who had to bring two or three players to try and stop him, uh, really played in favour of Lance. You know, the, the year of his breakthrough was last year, breakthrough in Liga at least, was last year. Now, People were expecting him a little bit more, so they were defending a little bit more on him, which you know allowed the other last player to be able to express themselves. Uh, but I think he's been, um, you know, he's been really, really good for the San Uh and yeah, that's why I put him in that um, little top ten of the Ligue 1 midfielder. We're going west, and we're going to go to the uh, French Cup winner, Nantes, and, and pick their number ten, who most likely will not be playing for Nantes anymore uh, after after the summer, or at least that's. That's the world on the street. Um, Ludovic Blas, 24 years old, uh, the, the number 10 slash winger for uh, Nantes, who, who comes out a solid season, 10 goals, 5 assists, uh, played 35 games, you know, got into another um, another role, I guess, with his team, with, with Imran Luza leaving, with Modest Simon not being very consistent at first and then coming into its senses. Ludovic Blas really had the team on his shoulder for, for, for a long time, found some very good connection with Chirivella, Chirivella, sorry, in the middle of the park. Uh, and we've seen a little bit more of Ludovic Plas can do, which is finishing, which is bringing the ball into the final third uh, and really um, helping his team carrying forward while, you know, while not forgetting to um, to, to defend and, and to defend well as well. Uh, you know, 85 shots total, which, which is um, seventh in Liga, which is quite impressive when we talk about Nantes, who was technically not the most um, attacking team, at least not when they were playing against um, so-called better team. Uh, but but he's, really, he's really impressed. Uh, again, you know, the kind of player who loves to dribble. He was able to uh, to dribble 100 players. Um, this is 102 to be, to be exact. Um, so a player who likes to carry the ball. It's going to be interesting to see if he does 
go to the Premier League, uh, you know, he's going to have to, of course, muscle up and then to, uh, to, to be able to do the same thing against players that are maybe a little bit more physical than what Ligue 1 can be. Uh, but, but, you know, in Ligue 1, the, the, the tactic and the positioning of the defender is always the hard thing to, um, to get by. And I think Ludovic Blas did really well against Ligue 1 defenses um, this season. And, of course, uh, was able to bring his team all the way to the French Cup final where he was wearing the armband. Uh, so, so it's good to see um, that he matured, that, you know, he's, uh, he's taking more, more, more and more plays with Nantes, two seasons in a row with 10 goals, uh, which is also massive for him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, like I said, where, where he goes um, next year. Let's not forget that he also scored five goals in the French Cup to help uh, bringing Nantes to that uh, final title. You know, if he stays in Nantes, he'll play the Europa League next year. So it's not it's not all lost if he wants to stay there. But yeah, um, impressive Ludovic Blas this uh, this season for uh, for a midfielder who's only turned uh, 24 on, on December 21st. Next one up, we go east. And of course, we have to mention Strasbourg. Uh, you know, they, they had that crazy run uh, and, and they had a very solid season. Uh, and of course, the one midfielder that I want to mention is Strasbourg. I say, of course, there could have been two or three. Uh, but is the number 10, Adrien Thomasson. I guess maybe I'm a bit too focused on number 10 for those, uh, for those midfielders. But look, I guess it's, it's flashy and it's, it's good to see. There was a couple of, uh, of more defensive players like Sekopafana or, or Matteo Genduzzi. Anyway, Adrien Thomasson, um, eight goals, four assists in 31 games. Uh, when he wasn't here, Strasbourg definitely didn't feel the same. Uh, and, you know, I, I call him an offensive midfielder. Uh, but I think probably what he's been the most impressive in was maybe his defensive work um, with Strasbourg as far as the ability to apply pressure, uh, the intensity, the la grinta, like we said, you know, the, the fact that he was always a bit of the, the barking midfielder who was uh, pushing his team to press higher, press higher, press higher. Um, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was something like two point, yeah, 2.5 uh, blocks per, per 90 minutes, which puts, it, puts him in the 97th percentile uh, of Ligue 1. He's had... He's very good ball to fit. We knew this. We'd seen a little bit of his temper and a bit of his intensity and a bit of his uh, will to always help his team defending well as well. Uh, this season, we'll, we've seen much more of that. You know, we're talking about a player who's 28 years old, so, uh, you know, probably approaching um, his peak as well. Um, and he's got a bit more help this season. Of course, um, Ludovic Ayok has been here for a bit, but now he was also helped with, uh, by... Um, Kevin Gamero, um, Jean-Regner Bellegarde, Habib Diallo. There was a few players to help him offensively, uh, but we've really seen him uh, getting better and better. Like I said, maybe what impressed me the most was how how um, you know how important it was, how, how um, I, I missed the word now. Anyway, how crucial he was in his presses and how you could see that what Julian Stefan wanted from Strasbourg had to kind of go through Thomasson both offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, he ended up being second in the amount of pressures that he was able to do in Liga, uh, third in the big five European leagues. So really the work that he's done there to try and help his team recovering the ball as early as possible cannot be understated. Uh, he's he's 28. He's getting better and better. Unfortunately for him, uh, Strasbourg missed the um, European um, qualification uh, for this season, but I'm sure he's going to be there to help Julien Stefan. Uh, bringing that team, again, um, as high as possible. We're talking about Julien Stéphane. We're going to go uh, and see two of his former players. Sorry, one of his former players and another one who plays for the club he used to coach. Uh, so his former player first. We're going to Rennes, of course. And we're going to talk about Benjamin Bourigeau. I mean, it's about the opposite of Seko Fofana, right? Fofana had a great first half of the season. 
and not so much the second half. Benjamin Bourgeau started slowly and ended in a boom, uh, 11 goals, 12 assists in 38 goals in Conference League, played seven games only at one goal. Uh, but just, just impressive from the moment Rennes found their groove, found their team, the midfield pairing between Bourgeau, Flaviente, um, Santa Maria, Jonas Martin when he was playing, and then the ability of, of Bourgeau to collect with both Martin Terrier, Gaetan Laborde was just beautiful to see when, um, uh, I can't remember his name now, when the other striker was coming in, uh, you, you wouldn't really see any difference. Uh, and Bourgeau, again, another player who sure offensively did a lot of damage, but also defensively, uh, really happy to, to press, really happy to put his body on the line for interception to clear the ball. Uh, and, and a player that, that is that complete, that he's now, um, you know, kind of demanded by the best teams in, in Europe. And he said that he was really thinking hard about what he was going to do because, um, you know, he probably knows how good he's been this season. And he probably knows that uh, opportunities like top teams in, in Liga or in, or in the Premier League or in Bundesliga might not present themselves again after that. Um, so he might want to uh, want to take the ticket while it's there. Uh, he's been compared to Beckham somewhere uh, throughout the season. Um, you know, all, all I can say is um, he's a guy who's always brought the ball forward. There's 121 key passes in Ligue 1 this season. He tops Ligue 1. He tops the big five European League as far as key passes go. Um, his uh, expected assist 13.2, top Ligue 1, top the big five European league as well, uh, shows the impact he had on this team and shows that the last ball was always going to him because you know that any ball that was coming to him was ending in the right spot into the box, whether it was for Terrier or for Laborde or for Major. Uh, and of course, you know, he was taking the corner kicks and we could see how great it was at, at taking the corner kick. I think he really, you know, grew in confidence under Pep Genesio being the vice captain of a team like Rennes uh, and, and he's impressed us game after game. And then as soon as he found his rhythm with the confidence, with him getting a little bit more loose uh, and getting a bit more impressive um, as the season went by, really finished the season well. You really hope that it wasn't a, a one-hit wonder and that he's going to be able to uh, confirm all the right things that we've seen this season. Um, you know, Next year is going to be something big for him because it's going to be about confirming that what we've seen wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. He's 28 years old as well. He's not a kid. Um, so so he probably has two, three years to really show how great he can be. Uh, you don't want to miss the, the next step, Benjamin. We're going to talk about his teammates, of course, um, Lovro Magier. Just arrived in Ligue 1, played 29 games, kind of feel like he played less because he arrived in Ligue 1, injured, of course, uh, and really just, just plashed. Liga and the football, the friends of football, with his talent, with his skill, with his uh, with his touches, with his left foot, uh, six goals, eight assists. Just whenever he was going to get the ball, you knew something was going to happen. You knew two defenders had to be there to stop him. He's able to carry the ball. He's able to pass the ball. He's able to uh, play in small space, good uh, large space. You know, he's just been he's just been excellent uh, this season and. and We've seen some games where maybe you think, oh, he's not bringing much to the table and uh, he seems a bit tired. And then one, two balls, two, three controls, and then bam, he makes a difference. Comes from Dinamo Zagreb. You know, the jump from the Croatian League to Ligue 1 can't be easy. And you're joining Rennes, a team who, you know, has a, a certain um, 
there's a certain status, there's a certain expectation to get when you when you join Rennes and when you're going to push a player like either Tay or, or Santa Maria or Jeremy Doku uh, on the bench. We haven't seen Doku at all. I know it was a few injuries, but then, you know, when players like Bruges or Madger started to play so well, then Genesio changes the way he wanted to play to make sure those players could express themselves. And I think that's what we see with uh, Lovro Madger. He's young, he's, he's a Croatian midfielder, I guess, in the... In, in the pure form of what you expect from Croatian midfielders, right? It's it's silky, it's technical, it's still physical, uh, the ability to pass and to score. Uh, he, he's really been, as far as I'm concerned, you know, maybe not like not the best young player, but probably the the revelation of the year, the one player that we didn't know about, that we didn't see come in and really exploded uh, for, for us in Liga. Like, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to, to give us this season, uh, of course, there's going to be more um, European football for him. Uh, you kind of hope that he's going to be great. You also kind of hope that uh, he's not going to be stolen by another uh, team in the meantime. But look, if, if it happens, uh, all the power to him is he's really been excellent. Yeah. And the last one, you know what? I didn't know if I was going to talk about him or not, because of course, he's probably not at the level that we might have wanted to see him. But you can't talk about the top 10 midfielders in Liga without mentioning Lionel Messi. Uh, of course, you know, the seven Ballon d'Or and, and everything else. You have to talk about him. Not for the hype, but just actually for the games. 26 match played, six goals, 14 assists. If it was any other player who had reached 14 assists, he would have been in that, um, in that ranking. So, of course, we're going to talk about Lionel Messi. It's hard, right? You, you've played for one team all your life. You change. You get to Paris. I'm not going to say it again. We know how bad this club is run. We know how hard it is um, to find an identity. And there's a lot going on right now at the club. I think it deserves its own episode soon. Um, you know, Lionel Messi has arrived in a team that was struggling, that didn't know who their star was. Was it Mbappé? Was it Neymar? Of course, Mbappé came in and said, play with me. Messi probably knew Neymar. So he tried to first combined with his Brazilian friend only, and then very quickly realized that for his assists to become assists, they need to go to Mbappé, of course. Um, but but I think what we've seen is somebody who's slowly getting into the rhythm, who's slowly understanding what is what is asked of him in a team like Paris Saint-Germain, in a league like Ligue 1, which is, of course, different from La Liga. Uh, sure, we could have seen more efforts. At times, it looked like he was walking not for five minutes, but for 90. Uh, and it's hard to see when then he plays with Argentina and he's running like a young rabbit, trying to press the ball everywhere. Uh, but, you know, it was his first season. Um, I'm sure he's probably even more mad than than all the Parisian fans are, that Paris wasn't able to get past Real Madrid and to to really challenge for um, the, the Champions League trophy. Uh, I'm sure he wasn't very happy about the way Paris Saint-Germain was playing most of the time this season. So I'm sure he's looking forward to a restart and to try and rebuild what what Paris can be. And, and also, I'm sure he's pretty excited about the fact that he's going to play again with Mbappé and he's going to be able to help Mbappé succeed and becoming the players that he wants to be, because I think that's what Messi is going to do. You know, talking about the future is easy. He needs to be in form. He needs to be in shape because it's his last World Cup uh, in, the, in November, December. Does that mean that he's going to play a little bit less hard in October to avoid injury? Sure, probably. Does that mean that after the World Cup, he might be a little bit tired? Sure, probably. But it's also his last season in Europe because he's potentially going to Inter Miami last next year. I think it's already acted. Uh, what we saw, though, this year is a player with massive talent that 
probably didn't feel comfortable as early as any fan would have liked to see that probably could have scored more goals. I mean, the guy hit the woodwork 10 times, 10 times, 10 posts and crossbar. He, he got unlucky. He would have had 16 goals. Everybody would have said, well, 16 goals and 14 assists in 26 games. I guess he's done what he had to do. Uh, so so he's also, you know, got, got a bit of, of bad luck. He's definitely tried to bring the ball um, forward. You know, it's 24 goal scoring uh, actions for, um, for him. So he's really helped Paris Saint-Germain where they are. A few of those stats maybe happen in the in the last 10 games, which I said myself sometimes don't count. Uh, but yeah, Lionel Messi was being Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi, when he had the ball, required two or three players to be able to stop him. He still had the same uh, football vision that we expect him to be. If anything, he was probably a bit underused in the PSG rotation in the sense that the players weren't always trying to find him in the best position for the attack to get faster. And it's probably going to be a bit of a demise. Uh, I, I think if he decides to turn up, he's going to be um, bringing a lot of troubles to Ligue 1. Of course, the objective for Paris Saint-Germain is the Champions League. Uh, so I hope for them that uh, he doesn't burn everything he has on the World Cup and that he keeps a little bit under the foot um, to, why, to win the last championship. I'm sure it's somewhere in his in his mind that, um, that he wants to get one last Champions League, that he wants to worry everybody that he left Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain and he's going to be able to win the best trophy in Europe with his new team to try and silence everybody. Uh, but as far as it goes this season, I think even though Paris Saint-Germain was not as good as they could be, we've still seen um, Lionel Messi that has been quite impressive, that has been quite um, unchallenged and, and, and pretty hard to stop even at times where Paris Saint-Germain wasn't playing well. Uh, he just needed a couple of touches to really light up um, the game and I think it's also a little bit important to see, to recognize that a player can can bring this to, to the table. Not a lot of players um, can do that, that's for sure. That's it. That's the top 10 uh, of, of the midfielders in Ligue 1. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, please hit me up and, and, and talk to me and tell me what you think. Um, maybe I missed someone. I mean, I appreciate that somebody mentioned that last, last week when I talked about the defender. I didn't talk about Gradit because it was a great shout. Uh, yeah, any other midfielder? I mean, I hesitated. I wanted to put maybe Florent Tardieu, uh, maybe Johan Gastien, you know, some players that, uh, well, without being standout, still had a solid season, maybe sometimes in teams that didn't perform that well, uh, but still show who they were. I think Monaco was a bit inconsistent. Uh, Chouameni was on and off. Same for Fofana, same for Golovin, same for Sofian Diop. Uh, but there's definitely a few players that could have been uh, in that top 10. That's the 10 that I've chosen. Thank you for uh, listening to me on that podcast. I look forward to talking about the forwards, right? It's it's happening soon and, and there's a lot to choose from as well. Thank you. Ciao.